Shall we settle down a little bit? We're going to get started. Thank you for helping us out with the venue change and everything. Can we big up New Day for the venue change, please? Ooh. Okay, so who's been rocking with us from the beginning of this seminar series, the Real Life series? Good to see you back. So on day one, one of my boys, Toby, he spoke, and he spoke really about them times in life when you have a loss, when you have a hard moment, but he spoke about what worship can do to get you out of that moment. And then yesterday we had Faria, make some noise for Faria. And she kind of spoke about sometimes you can feel a bit isolated, sometimes you can feel a bit different. Sometimes you're at New Day and everything's so lit, but then you go home and it's so different. But she really spoke to us about the word church and what church actually means and how it doesn't matter. Church is not just a building, but we are part of the church and we have a role to play in the church. And that is essentially real life. And we're going to stay on this topic all week because my prayer is that every single person that leaves here feeling, feeling spiritually nourished, feeling like you've spoken to Jesus, my prayer is that when you get home, you continue to feel like that and you continue to hear from Jesus. And that new day isn't just an anomaly in your spiritual life, but in Jesus' name, you guys will all feel his presence all year round. And everyone said, amen. So like I said, we tackled worship, we tackled church, and I have my very own younger brother, I have to always say that, my younger brother, who's going to speak to us. But can we all stretch out our hands to him, because I want to pray for him real quickly. So everyone stretch out your hand. King Jesus, I thank you for TJ. I thank you because you have your hand on him. I thank you because you started a work at him when he was just eight years old when he first came to New Day. Every single New Day he attended, you spoke to him and you ministered to him. And I thank you, King Jesus, because it's come so full circle and now we can all learn through what you have said to TJ. And I pray in Jesus' name, would you speak to him as he speaks to us? I pray in Jesus' name, would you speak through him? Let it not be about anything other than you, King Jesus. I thank you for the blessing that he is, not just to us in London, but to everyone here at New Day. And I pray in Jesus' name, would you continue to bless him and have your hand on him. And all God's children said, amen. Make some noise for TJ. Yes. What's up, everyone? Can everyone hear me all right? At the back, we good? That was terrible. Make some noise at the back, please. Thank you. Guys at the front, we're doing all right? Fantastic. Um, so this is the real life seminar. So I'm going to talk some real life. Um, and my topic is, is, is prayer. I'm going to talk about the place of prayer in your lives. Um, who here would say that they are a confident prayer? Put your hands up. Who would say that they're somewhere in the middle? Put your hands up. And who would say that they're a little bit shy when it comes to prayer? Okay, so most people tend to fall in the middle. It was a bit of a dumb question because if you're shy with prayer, you're probably going to be shy to put your hand up, and that's fine. But right from the outset, I want to let everyone know that you can pray. Everyone say, I can pray. And that's where we're going today. This is a message kind of of two halves. The first half, I'm going to talk about some real-life situations. I'm going to talk about sin. I'm going to talk about my own sin. And my prayer is that people relate to that. Maybe it's a story that you're going through yourself. And then in the second half, I want to talk about the place of prayer in being a weapon against that thing that I was dealing with in those things, those everyday life things that we deal with. Uh, how prayer can be a means of getting closer to Jesus, because really and truly that's what this is all about, getting close to Jesus. And then I really want to give everyone some practical steps of how to pray. And my prayer is that every single one of you leaves this place more confident in God and more confident in your ability to commune with God. But before we get into that, I just want to pray very, very quickly. So just close your eyes. Lord, open our hearts right now. We thank you, Lord God, for everything that you've already done throughout this week. The people that have encountered you already this week, we thank you. We thank you for the people that are going to encounter you uh, as the week goes forward, Lord God. We thank you for the lives that have been changed, Lord God. The people that are searching for you and have found you, but also the people that are searching for you and haven't found you yet. Lord, would you let them know that you are near? 
and in this next half an hour or so, Lord God, would they be completely convinced, Father God, of your longing to actually meet with them as they want to meet with you. Be with us in this time, we pray, Father, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. So, for those who don't know, my name's TJ. Um, I go to Jubilee Church. I always forget that happens. Thank you, guys. I love you guys as well. Um, I've preached at New Day a couple of times, and if you've been at any of my preachers, you'll know. I think both times I mentioned that I'd struggled with a particular sin when I was around your age. So, uh, I, I fell into pornography when I was about... Uh, 14 years old, I would say, right? So I, was a, I grew up in a Christian home. My mum my preached on Tuesday. Um, so, yeah, big up mum. She's amazing. Um, so, so that's the kind of home that I came from. And I learned about Jesus. In fact, I loved Jesus. I became a Christian. My, my story f- seems really similar to Steve Upples. It was hilarious when he was saying yesterday. Because I became a Christian when I was five. And I was filled with the Holy Spirit at the age of eight. Uh, and I remember it, and that was, that was my life. I, 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 I used to like reading the Bible. I used to enjoy reading the Bible. And all the way throughout primary school, I went to a Church of England primary school where most of the kids were from Nigeria and Ghana, and we were all Christians, and it was all good. Like, we, I grew up in what people would call Christendom. That's what I grew up in, it felt like. And then I got to secondary school, and I, everything started to change a little bit because people started to get interested in different things. Certain people, it was drugs. For pretty much everyone else, it was girls. It was being slightly rebellious here and there. It was drinking on the weekends and all of that kind of stuff. And me in year seven and in year eight, I'm like, no, I'm a Christian. I, I don't do that. And I, I used to get a little bit of flack for it, but it was fine. Like, I could deal with it. I was quite quick when it, with, the, with the comebacks and stuff like that. So I thought I was the righteous one. I thought I was living the good life. And then my friends used to say to me, so wait, you, you, so you're, you're telling me you don't watch porn? I'm like, no, I don't do any of that. And I used to be defiant. Until one day I wasn't defiant anymore. In fact, I got introduced to it by a friend, and a friend that almost, uh, he, 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 it was like he was pushing me every time, like, you should watch it, you should watch it, you should watch it, you should watch it. And one day, I broke and I came to it, and from that day, I never spoke about it again. And I would come to New Day every year, because remember, I'm still a Christian, I still love Jesus, but I had this thing that I was carrying, the shame that I was carrying. And I would come to New Day, and I'd be like, you know what, Lord, I'm changing. I'm laying this sin down. I'm, I'm putting it all before you, Lord God. I, I'm going to go home and be different. This thing is broken in Jesus' name. That's what it used to be. I would always go to like uh, these kinds of real life seminars because I wanted to know the answers. How do I overcome this thing that has somehow gripped me? Like it went from something that was just uh, something I did every now and again to something that became a habit to be to something that was a stronghold. I would say it was an addiction. How do I overcome it? Every single new day I'll come back and I'll go to this very seminar. I just, Lord, how do I overcome this? And every single new day I would quit. Thank you, God, I've quit. I'm a new creation in you, Lord God. And for the whole week at new day, it was all good. And the week after it was all good, and the week after it was all good, but somewhere in the middle of September, I would fall right back into the mess that I came into new day with. See, I'm pretty sure uh, Faria touched on this yesterday. Like, New Day is great, but real life happens back in your towns and in your schools and in your cities and in your families. Right now, we're on the mountain where there's hundreds, there's thousands of people gathered singing the name of Jesus. And it's great to join in corporately with this singing and it's cool. And it feels right. It feels like, yeah, this is what I was created for. But when you get back to your room and it's just you, then what? Every time I would hear these talks on, and again, I'm talking about pornography because that's the thing that was, is close to me, but for you, it might be something else that seems like it's gripped you. Maybe it's lying, maybe it's slander, maybe it's taking offense, or maybe it's, uh, maybe, maybe it's talking back, maybe it's stealing things, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's all of those kinds of things, whatever it is. Being a Christian, you go to the talk and you hear, very often you'll hear warnings against these things. You shouldn't do this thing because. You shouldn't, you shouldn't engage in that thing because. You'll hear warnings. You'll also hear practicalities. If you, if you don't want to be stuck in this thing, you should do this. Practical. And you know what? Warnings and practicalities are amazing. 
Because if I'd listened to the warnings back at New Day all those years ago, if I'd listened to the warnings of don't engage in those conversations and don't, don't, don't listen to that kind of music and maybe don't watch that program. And if I'd listened to the warnings, things would have been very different. However, there's a problem with just warnings. Warnings don't deal with the heart of the issue. Warnings don't deal with the source of the sin. You hear what I'm saying? And the problem with only having practical strategies is that if at the center of that strategy is not the love of Christ, if you're not doing it because you love Christ, it's just effort. It just works. And ultimately, it's insufficient. How do we get to the source of the issue? Whatever it is that you feel like you're dealing with at this moment, whatever it is that you feel like, maybe it's anger. I feel that for a lot of people in the room right now, that there's people that struggle with, with, with anger that bubbles over and boils over. Whatever it is that you feel like you're dealing with, how do we get to the source of that thing so that thing gets completely changed? Let me give you a, a, a real-life example of this. Um, I moved into a new house like two years ago. Um, I got married and then stayed with my parents for a bit. Then we moved into a new house. And um, this house has a little garden, right? And I was gassed because, like, I, I'm going to sound like an old man, but, like, I really want to have, like, a nice garden. You know what I mean? I see myself when I'm a bit older being the guy that looks after the hedges and all of that kind of stuff. Right now, not so much. But I wanted to have a nice garden. My garden is small enough to manage, right? And so... We get into the house, we, we do up the house a little bit, there's a small garden, and we cut the grass, because there's a load of, like, it's been overgrown, there's loads of weeds and stuff like that, there's all this nonsense in my garden. Uh, weeds are not good, right? They make things look terrible. Uh, so so we, we cut the weeds, and I was very happy, because now I've got my nice garden, it looks all good. Cutting the grass, it was, I thought I dealt with the problem. And then what happens two weeks later? The weeds come back. And I'm like, no, 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 not on, not on my watch. So I called up one of the guys. I said, yo, can, can you come through and bring the proper equipment? Not My lawnmower ain't good. Can you, bring the, can you bring the real tools? Can you get to the bottom of it and cut all of the weeds? I want you to start uprooting the weeds as well. Boss man said, yes, cool. He came through and he did it. And it was like there was just soil in my garden. And I was like, yes. I've gotten rid of the problem of the weeds in my garden. I've gotten rid of the, the problem that is, is making the things look ugly and all, I'm bringing a bit of shame on my house because all the other gardens in that neighborhood look all right. I've gotten rid of the problem. And that was around October that that happened. And then we get into the winter months and none of the grass grew back. None of the weeds grew back. And I thought, wow, we've dealt with the problem. We've completely dealt with the problem. We've completely dealt with the mess. And a few months ticked past and we got to March. And I looked out my window and I started to see weeds. And these weeds were growing back and they were coming back and they were coming back. I was thinking, but I, but I thought we dealt with this problem back then. With all of those warnings and with all of the, 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 the strategies that I implemented, I thought I got rid of all the weeds and the weeds were gone for so long. How is it that they're coming back a few months later? It's because... When I cut the grass and the grass didn't go back, it's because we went into winter. Uh, it's a, it was a different season. Your whole life isn't lived in that one season. I thought I dealt with the problem. I dealt with the problem a little bit, but because we went into a different season, I thought the problem was dealt with once and for all. It wasn't. New Day can be a little bit like that winter. Where you come here and it's like, I've, I've dealt with that thing once and for all and it's gone and the weeks go by and you're like, oh, I've dealt with this thing. This thing is not coming back. Those weeds are not coming back. And then you get back to school and the pressure hits. And then, and then the season changes slightly and, and home life isn't as good as it used to be and mum and dad aren't getting on like they used to. Or that friend that wasn't at New Day but you're going back to your hometown and that person that gets you into the things that you know you shouldn't be doing is back there and the seasons change slightly and you realise that what you thought was a complete transition and change was just a bit of a cosmetic makeover. The source of the issue had not been tackled. I'm speaking from my own life because this happened three, four, five, six different times. The real problem 
was much deeper than just cutting the grass and cutting the weeds. The problem was in the soil. The soil in my garden was messed up. And in order to clean it up, I had to completely substitute that soil. And by God's grace, two weeks ago, praise be, my garden is now a completely different garden. I've completely taken out my soil. I put all this concrete over the top. I put new soil over the top. Everything's completely changed. Those weeds ain't coming back. Now, in your life, or in this talk, I want to talk about how we get to the source of the issue when it comes to these kinds of sins. Because the real problem is much, much deeper than just the cosmetic tackling of the issues. If we want to tackle sin... We must tackle it at the source. And the source is this. This is what sin is. If you're taking notes, write this down. Sin gets its source in this. Loving anything more than Christ. Sin gets its source in you and I loving anything more than we love Christ. It's putting something above him, either for a millisecond or for a lifetime. That's where sin gets its source. The, the, the soil, if you like, the problem in us is when we love something more than we love Christ. And we allow that thing to take God's place as number one for one second. You see, at New Day, I feel like we can, it's, it's a bit easier to have God as number one because everywhere you go, they're playing Christian music here and you're going and you're worshiping here. You wake up, there's a prayer meeting. Someone's always got an acoustic guitar. People look happy. It's easy to put God number one at New Day. But as soon as he goes to number two, that's when sin creeps in. It's when you start saying stuff like, I love you, Lord, but, but, but right now, my desire to be sexually satisfied is just, just right now, I, I put that just above you. And I love you, Lord, but I love fitting in with the crowd and with my friends and with the culture just a little bit more, just for one second, Lord, just for one second. I love it just a little bit more. Like, I love you so much, Lord, but right now, I'm in a sticky situation and the benefit of lying about something, I just love that a little bit more than you, just, but just for one second, Lord God. And that's where sin comes from. The source of sin is loving anything more than Christ, which means the real overcoming of sin will take place not when you work out the perfect strategy or hear the perfect inspiring speech. You will not turn away from sin because of fear of hell. You will turn away from sin when you see that Jesus is better than anything that you have ever loved in your life. That's how you overcome sin. It's about relationship. It's about seeing Jesus and seeing Jesus for who he really is. And I want us to really, really get this today. Because... Honestly, my heart for all of you, I don't want anyone to go through the years and cycles that I went through when it came to sin. Trying and failing and trying and failing and feeling like a failure and feeling like God was disappointed in me and feeling like I can't speak about God because I'm deep down a hypocrite and all of this. I don't want you guys to go through that. And I just wish that I'd heard or listened to what I'm about to say right now, which is that you have to get hungry for Jesus. Because when you're hungry for Jesus, you see Jesus. And when you see Jesus, you recognize, wow, he is greater than the best thing that the world has to offer. And I know maybe for some of you that are listening right now, it's a little bit like, it's a little bit hard to understand. Like, okay, we sing to Jesus, but what do you mean see Jesus? I, I mean... I mean, when you really have a relationship with Jesus, sin doesn't make sense anymore. Paul calls it becoming a slave to righteousness. Uh, let me illustrate it like this. I told you earlier that, that I, I got married, uh, how long ago now? A year and a half? I'm in trouble. Yeah. About a year and a half ago, something like that, two years ago. No, two years ago. Goodness me. Please don't tell her. She's not here. I got married two years ago. And now... I have not cheated on my wife. I don't plan to cheat on my wife. Amen. Faithful brothers over here. Um, oh, please do not clap. That is what I'm meant to do. <laughs> 
is genuinely the basis of what I'm meant to do. Now, let me illustrate this to you, right? When we started going out, I liked her. Like, it was like, yeah, this is cool, man. Her name's Esther. She's amazing. I'm like, this is cool. And we're on this journey together. And you hear these warnings. As you get a little bit more serious, and when you're rooting in church, like Faria was talking about yesterday, when you get a little bit more serious, you'll have a little bit of guidance. And people will speak into your relationship. Do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. And it's all good. And then you go to get married, like I did. And I got down on one knee and I said, would you, would you marry me? I think I fumbled it, if I'm being honest. I can't remember what I said. But she said yes, she agreed to it. And then when we walk down the aisle, or she walks down the aisle, and I stand in front of her, and I say these vows to her, and I say, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, to death do us part, I promise I'll be a faithful husband. Now, that, that's a vow that I made, right? But if I'm being honest with you, the reason that I'm faithful in my marriage, yes, uh, yeah, I made a vow, but that's not the source of the reason why I'm faithful in my marriage. It's because of who she is. Like, sorry to get all soft for a second, but Esther is the best person I have ever met in my life, right? No, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> now, <laughs> she, genuinely speaking, <laughs> she makes everything better. Like, honestly, since being married, it's been incredible. Like, I used to stay at work really long and do stuff. Now she's at home. I leave work early because I want to get home and all of that kind of stuff. Like, I, like she is the best. Like, she's the absolute best, right? And it's like... When I stood in front of her and I said those vows, I think I knew what I was saying. But every single day since then, I think deeper and deeper, I've understood really what I meant on that day. Where it's like, as much as I can help it, because of who you are and who you are to me, and because of how much I love you, because of this, I promise to be a faithful husband. Yes, I said those words, but it's because of my relationship with her, because I know her, because I see her. And the mere thought of breaking her heart is enough to make me feel sick. But it's, it's born out of relationship with her that I don't want to do this. Other, so, so whenever there's an, some kind of an opportunity to mess up my marriage, it seems completely preposterous. Like, if you knew who it is that you're trying to tell me to turn my back on, you wouldn't even think, that's a stupid question. Would I come here? Would I do that? Would I? Absolutely not. Because of my relationship with my wife, because of who she is, all of that other stuff, that it doesn't make any sense to me. Now, I'm telling you that when you have a relationship with Jesus, when you're close to Jesus and you love Jesus and you see Jesus for who he really is, when you understand what his heart for you really is, then sin doesn't make sense anymore. You go from being a slave to sin to a slave of righteousness. That's what Paul says. Why? Because it's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. You must not know the relationship that I have with my God. It's what Joseph says when Potiphar's wife says, come and lie with me. He says, whoa, how can I do this great sin against God? You must not know what I've got by way of relationship with my God. Let me tell you the day that everything changed for me. And I can't remember if I've told you guys this before, but it was the darkest day of my entire life. But it was the day that I saw Jesus. So, I'm in some context and I'm trying to overcome this pornography thing again. For the, a millionth time, I'm trying to overcome it and I'm down about it. In fact, I'm in the worst place I've ever been about it. And I'm laying there on my bed, feeling shame and feeling guilt. And I said, you know what, God? I don't feel really right even being here right now. I said, Lord, I promise, I don't know what else to do, but if I ever fall in this way again, don't wake me up. And I meant it. And I was a mess and I was in bits. This was a bad time. I was feeling lonely around this time and it wasn't good. A week goes past. I, I meant it, by the way. A week goes past. I'm all good. The next week comes, something happens, and I fall again. And I went to bed that night 
fully prepared to not wake up. Fully prepared to not wake up. Maybe part of me didn't want to. It sounds like it's dramatic, but if you knew how this thing would eat me up, if you knew how this thing would just tear me apart, then you would understand. Maybe you really do understand. And then the morning came and I woke up. And I just burst into tears. Because if I was God, I would have killed me. If I was God, I wouldn't have woken TJ up because he made all these vows and promises about how he was going to overcome this thing. And he asked. And I woke up and I burst into tears and it was at that moment that I saw Jesus sitting on the edge of my bed crying with me. His heart isn't, I'm so disappointed. His heart isn't, oh, when I get that, I'm going I'm to lightning bolt them. His heart isn't, oh, these, these delinquents, I, just, I don't want to have anything more to do with them. No, his heart is, please just turn around and see me. See how much I love you. See how much I'm nephew. See how I didn't leave you for a single day in your life. Sitting on the edge of my bed is Jesus and I'm there crying and I'm trying to say sorry. And what Jesus does, he quiets you with his love. He says, shh, just come home. Jesus is there saying, look, I'm with you in this. You can do this. Keep going, keep going. I saw Jesus. And when I saw how much Jesus loved me, sin stopped making sense. Because I'm like, he loves me so much. Hold on, think about it. The God of the universe came down and died on a cross for me and for you. And he knew my darkest days when he was on the cross. And he says, I'm still going to die for that person. Greater love no one has known. No matter how much I love Esther, it pales in comparison to the amount that Jesus loves me. And when I understand that kind of love that Jesus has for me, when I see him, then I am determined more than ever to get close to him. And when I get close to him, you start to smell like him. Let me explain. Uh, Do you know the story of the woman with the alabaster jar? No? Yes, some people do. Let me explain quickly. Jesus is sitting down in some context in a house and a woman comes in. And she has this jar of perfume, very expensive perfume, and she breaks it over Jesus' feet. And the men that are around are like, wait, what? why Why would you let a woman do that to you? It looks a little bit weird. Why are you? And she looks like a bit of a mess. Imagine walking into a house, there's a man there, and you put perfume over his feet, and you use your hair and your tears to, to wipe his feet. You look like a bit of a mess, right? And I always looked at that story, and I thought, wow, that's like, that's tough. But she was hungry, to be close to Jesus. What I never realized or what I never thought about was, how did she smell after that? She broke perfume over Jesus' feet and her hair was all in, the, all in the perfume. So when she gets up and she leaves that room and she's walking around, she's got this fragrance on her. She's got this different smell about her. There's something different about this woman now because she got close to Jesus. When you get close to Jesus, you end up smelling like Jesus. You end up changing. Seeing him for who he is, I would say, is the key for overcoming sin in the way that I was talking about. Whatever it is for you. You get close to him and walking with him, the king of glory will take you from glory to glory. So in the next 10 or so minutes, I just want to talk really practically about how you get close to Jesus. Is everyone still with me? I'm sure some people are thinking, what on earth does prayer have to do with this? Let me explain. Sin gets its source in loving anything more than Jesus and to love him, you need to see him. And to see him, you must get close to him. Now, 
What does prayer have to do with getting close to Jesus? Prayer used to confuse me. Um, I go to a church where we have prayer meetings every week. And growing up, I really, really, really thought that prayer or the, the amount that your prayers get answered is based upon how eloquent and articulate you are and how loud you pray. There will always be an uncle or an auntie in the prayer meeting that is shouting. And they're going through it. You see the veins pulsing on the side of their head. And they're just praying nonstop and they're sweating. In fact, it was my uncle he used to make a noise every now and again when he would pray. He'd stamp on the ground and say, Ay! Do you remember that? <laughs> and I used to think, raw, his prayers are going to get answered. Because he's praying loud and he's praying eloquently. And this is where our misconception comes from. Because I used to think that being a good prayer meant that you could pray loud and you could pray eloquently. That's what I thought. I thought if you're good at praying. So if someone would ask me, can you pray to close the session? I'd be like, absolutely not. Why? Because I'm pitting myself up against uncle over there who can pray for 16 hours straight. I didn't think I could pray. I didn't think I was good at praying. That was my misconception when it came to prayer. I also didn't know when to pray. Because some people would say to me, pray in the morning. And I'm like, school, tired. Uh, pray in the afternoon, again, I was at school. Pray in the evening, you get to the evening. I don't know if this resonates with every, anyone, but you wait to pray to the evening. You get down to your bed and what happens? You're conked out. You know, you wake, up half, you wake up a couple hours later and you're thinking, right, did I finish the prayer? Did, did I even say amen? You know what I mean? Did I seal the prayer off? And you read the Bible and it says in Thessalonians 5 that we should pray without ceasing. And that just confuses me even more because how can I pray without ceasing? How can I pray without stopping? Well, am I meant to be praying while I'm eating and praying while I'm going to football training later and praying while I'm in maths class? Is that what the Bible's really saying? Prayer confused me. And here's a life hack. If you are confused, find out Jesus' opinion on it. If anything in life confuses you, look to Jesus and find out his opinion on it because that's the truth. I'm going to read quickly Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 to 13. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in synagogues and at street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray like this, our father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. That is Jesus teaching on prayer. And straight away that smashed some misconceptions that I had when it came to prayer. I've got three points for you before I wrap up. Number one, I want to unpack just this passage. I'm just going to unpack this passage. Number one, how to pray. How to pray. Number one, you've got to remember this. It's about your heart. It's about your heart. Verse five says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you that they have received their reward. The first thing Jesus does when he teaches you how to pray is teach you how not to pray. He says, essentially, don't pray that you may be heard by others. Because truly, those people have received their reward. You know what their reward is? Their reward is that people like me would look at them and be like, wow, they're really good at praying. That's the reward, done. But he says, go to your, the secret place when you pray because your father who sees and rewards in secret. So the first thing Jesus talks about is what not to do. We are not to pray for, for the approval of people. And this is something that is very easy to slip into. Anyone that, when I said, how do you feel about prayer? Like, are you good or whatever? Anyone that feels like, uh, I'm not sure about prayer, it's very often, if you're like me, it's very 
it's very likely that your hesitance when it comes to prayer is that you think that other people are going to think that you can't pray. God is not impressed by your vocabulary. He created all words in all languages. And he knows what you're going to ask before you ask it. So when you're thinking, I can't pray because I can't pray as eloquently as that person, are you praying to that person or are you praying to God? Because his currency when it comes to prayer is not how well you can speak. It is by your heart. Like it says in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Do not look on the appearance or the height or his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. You have to engage your heart, your whole being, how you're really feeling. God is not interested in these big words and these empty phrases. What God is interested in is, is that the real them talking to me right now? And I catch myself every time, yes, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Father, Jesus, let today go well. Amen. Like, I'm just regurgitating words that I heard uncles saying back in the day. Like, when I address Jesus, like, he is the King of Kings, but back in, like, when I want to pray to Jesus, I'm going to say, I'm going to address him, Jesus. And then I'm going to think about what is actually on my heart right now. Like my prayer this morning was very simple because I woke, the wind last night was a madness and it kept me up and I didn't have a good sleep. And I woke up this morning not feeling that good. But when I woke up, I prayed, Lord, I'm tired. <laughs> but your word says that this is the day that you have made. So help me to rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Number one, it's about your heart. You really have to engage with how you're feeling. Don't try and hide things from God. Reveal them to him. What you're worried about, what you're really thankful for, what you're struggling with, he wants to know. Number two, this is a, what's it called when the different letters stand for different things? Is it anagram? Acronym. Uh, English ain't my team. It's an acronym. You may have heard it before. It's ACTS. A-C-T-S. This is the practical part of the sermon. This is a great starting point for if you want to learn just how to structure prayer a little bit more. Because like I said, prayer can be confusing and it can be a little bit like misguided. It can be a little bit difficult to, to pray for. Even, even for two minutes, it can be difficult to pray for because you can zoom through everyone in your family's name and you say, yeah, let them be good. And then you're like, what do I pray for next? And it can be very difficult. So Write this down if you want to know a little bit of structure of how to pray. And this is really coming from the Lord's Prayer. The first one is acknowledgement. That's the first one. A is acknowledgement. Acknowledge who God is. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Start by acknowledging who it is that you are speaking to. This is the, this is the right way to communicate with people, by acknowledging them. I remember in one context I was talking to someone and someone just walks in. They didn't say hello. They didn't say how are you. They didn't even say my name. They just said, yo, where's the venue? I'm thinking, hold on, hold on, hold on, come correct. If you're going to converse with someone, you have to address them. You say their name. You speak to them. Maybe, there's a, there's a, maybe they're older than you. Maybe it's someone that maybe is like an, uh, an aunt or uncle. Maybe it's your mom and they garner a certain amount of respect and... Just to help you to remember who you're talking to, it's good to approach people from that way. So when you're talking to God, it, it, we can't get too casual about it. God is God. And so it's good at the start of your prayers to not just, I guess, roll into it, but just say the name of Jesus. Jesus, you are the king of glory. Tell him who he is. Jesus, you are holy, you are high, you are lifted up. Start with acknowledging who it is that you are praying to. That's A. Next one is C. This is confession. Confession is, yeah, you're speaking about your own sin. You're speaking about things that you feel like you may have fallen short on. You're speaking about things that you're not feeling sure about. You're confessing your worries. You're laying down your burdens before the Lord. And saying, Lord, I'm not going to lie. I've got a seminar a little bit later. I feel really tired. And, 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit worried that I'm going to get up there and just lean on my own bravado or ego instead of leaning on you, Lord God. Help me to not do that. That's what confession can look like. Sometimes you'll be confessing a sin. The reason you don't see confession in the Lord's Prayer is because Jesus never sinned. When you open up your wounds and your sin and your scars to the Lord, uh, he forgives it, but then he also cleans it. Number three is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is important in prayer. There is always something to be thankful for. There is always something to be grateful for. I heard someone say this, that thanksgiving is the hinge of prayer. A door without a hinge is just a wall. So we give thanks to God because it's a gateway to understanding and really deeping how good he is and seeing him for how, who he really is. Give thanks to him and I believe that you will live in an awareness of his goodness. And that is a drawing thing. That's something that draws you closer to him. And number four is S, supplication, acts, supplication. Um, I like to have a prayer list. I like to have a prayer list. I have a little notebook and um, I write down on one page, I write down names, all the names of people that I've, I pray for. On the other page, I pray for, I pray for myself and there's certain things that God's called me to and I put down and I pray for. On the other page, I pray for my church and I pray over that. And then after that, there's a bit of waiting. I say, Lord, is there anything that's actually on your heart that you want me to pray about? I think it's a good idea to have a prayer list, at least to begin with, just to add a little bit of structure to your prayer. So that's act. I don't normally get this practical in a sermon, but it's helpful. I started praying like this, and it's helped me and grown me to be someone who's more confident in praying. And number three, finally, this is where I really want to land for you guys. Build a history in the secret place. Verse 6 says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus' instruction when it comes to praying is this. He says, go into your room. Go to find somewhere quiet. Not loads of people and trying to impress people. No, no, no. The opposite. Go and find somewhere quiet. Shut the door. Shut out all distractions. And get alone with him. God wants to spend time with you. And prayer is much more than this transactional speaking of words to some guy in the sky. It's an, it's an opportunity to be in the same place as God, to speak to him, to hear him, and to see him. Because remember, this is about seeing Jesus for who he really is. And when you see him more and more, you love him more and more, and sin becomes less and less appealing. Build a history in the secret place. I had no history in the secret place because my whole life was spent uh, doing things in corporate settings and doing nothing when I was just me and Jesus. I want to end by this. Just telling you what my secret place time looks like. I pray that you get something from this. On Wednesday mornings, I'll wake up a little bit earlier. I'll go into, well, I'll go into my office, what would have previously been my room. I'll close my door. No one's awake at this time. And I'll open my Bible. And I'll read like a, a chapter. I'll read through like a chapter a day. I'll read through the chapter. I'm sitting down on my chair. And I'll read through it. And then I'll wait a little bit. And then I acknowledge God for who he is. And then I talk to God about what's been plaguing me and what's been on my heart. And then I pray a little bit more. And then I run out of things to pray about very quickly because I'm a human. And then I have some worship music on and I'll sing along to the worship music a little bit. And then I'll I'll drift back into prayer a little bit. And I cannot lie to you, this whole secret place lifestyle, closing the door and spending time with Jesus. The first time I wanted to do it was for, I wanted to do it for one hour. By the time I'd finished, there was about seven minutes on the clock. Uh, How on earth did that happen? But I went again. 
And I went again and I went again. And it was a bit awkward. It was a bit weird. It was just me on my own. And I, I'm, I'm stumbling over my words. Sometimes I'd fall asleep. And when you fall asleep when you're praying, all you have to do is get back up and keep praying. I go back up. I'll keep praying. And I'll keep every Wednesday, I'll keep going in and saying, Lord, just, and I'll just, and bit by bit, brick by brick by brick, I started to get more and more comfortable in this place called the secret place, where it's just me and God. And I wasn't a stranger to the secret place anymore. I actually started to realize that God comes and meets with you when you're in that place. And then there was this one day when I'm in my office, I'm on my knees, and I'm just praying to God, and I'm, I'm just doing, praying in the exact same way, and I just saw a picture. And God moved me in that moment. I was completely broken. It was just me in that room alone. I was completely broken by God. It didn't come on day one or day two. That was probably day 50. My encouragement to you would be when it comes to prayer, Heart posture first, try and add some structure, and then get acquainted with the secret place where it's just you and Jesus, and there's no one else, just you and him, because he will reveal himself to you. Blessed are those who, are hung- who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall see God. And that's my prayer for all of you, that you will see God. See, when you build up this, and this is my last bit for when you build up this secret place, when it's just you and God, you learn to take that into the corporate place where you're no longer praying for, for, the, for the ears of other people, but it's just you praying to God. And how does this help with all the sin that I talked about at the start? When you're just talking to God, you see him. And when you see him, you love him. And when you love him, your appetite changes. If there's anything that you take away from this sermon... Let it be that sentence. Amen? Amen. Let me hand back over to Femi. Thank you, TJ. We've got about five or ten minutes left. But as we were praying about today, it wasn't on our heart to do a Q&A like we normally would. But what was actually on our heart was I want to turn this place into a ten-minute prayer meeting because we're going to action some of what TJ said. And I, want, I think it's really important, the point that you, he was making when he was saying, when it's in your heart and you want to pray, then that's the right starting place. And so also, if it's not in your heart and you're not really on it, I just want to ask you to just respect this moment and just be quiet and wait it out, because I really want the people that need to pray to really get that opportunity too. And the way we're going to do it is we're going to pray through that moment of acts that he spoke about, okay? I'm not going to ask you to stand up because it causes distraction. But right now, with your eyes closed, some of you are going to feel like you should kneel for this moment because TJ tackled some tough subjects. But right now, everyone, I want you to pray out loud if you're comfortable with it. Don't just wait this moment out. Don't just pray in your head, but I want you to express this moment properly. And right now, we're going to start with the word A, and we're going to acknowledge who our king is. So right now, with your eyes closed, some of you are kneeling, some of you are sat down. Start telling Jesus who he is. Thank you, Jesus, because you died for me. Thank you, Jesus, because you love me. Thank you, because you're the creator of the heavens and the earth. What does that mean? It means you created where I'm from. The news might always say it's a bad place, but it's not because you made it. Thank you, Lord, because you created my school. Name your school. Thank you, Lord, because you love me. Everything that's good about me, everything that I don't like about myself, you love the whole me. Say your name. Thank you, Lord, because you love Femi. Even though I struggle to love myself sometimes, thank you because you love me. Thank God for your church. Say thank you, Lord, for my church. Even though there's, it's not perfect, even though I've got really good friends there, even though I've got some friends, people that I don't get on with, thank you for my church, Lord. Thank you because you are the creator. What you say is final. Thank you because when Jesus says yes, no one can say no. And even though all of these circumstances in my life feel like they're saying no, start thanking Jesus for who he is. This is what it looks like. 
I'm going to be quiet for a couple minutes because I want you to say your own words and your own bars, thanking the Lord God for who he is. We're going to acknowledge who he is. Thank you, King Jesus, because you are the first and you are the last. You are the beginning and you are the end. You are the alpha and you are the omega. What does that mean? It means you are in control. I thank you, Jesus. Me, I'm nothing, but because I have you, you are in control. Acknowledgement. We're now going to move on to C, confession. As TJ was speaking, a whole bunch of you, he spoke mostly about pornography and addiction, but I want to widen that. Maybe it's just sexual sin of any type of nature. Maybe it's addiction of any type of nature. Maybe it's the way that you've been speaking to your parents ever since the last New Day you attended. Maybe it's your attitude that people have tried to correct you on, but you refuse to. Maybe it's, it's your pride, your ego, or your arrogance. Maybe it's, it's, the, it's the situations that make you walk into school and think that you're better than everyone else. I will talk to my teachers how I want. I will talk to my, my peers and fellow students how I want. Maybe it's your bullying energy that because of things that have happened to you, you just always want to take it out on other people. Right now, we are going to confess those things. We're going to say, King Jesus, for this thing that I have been doing, I am sorry. I know that you died for every sin, but right now, Lord, I want to name the ones that are in my heart. It's the way I struggle with arrogance, thinking I'm better than the people around me. I might not say anything. Everyone thinks I'm shy. But if they were to see what I was thinking, they would know how arrogant I can be. It's the moments when I know what your word says about how I should interact with this girl or this guy. But it's the moment when I'm with them, I'm putting you second and putting my desires first. It's the moment when you know you should be serving in church, but you would rather choose your own selfish desires instead. It's the moment when you make situations about yourself. Lord, I'm confessing this right now. I'm not perfect, but I know I can be better. It's that one, ep that one episode of sin that hasn't left your mind. You did it once, and it's like it hasn't really left let this moment be the moment we confess it because we know we have a king that can wash us white as snow. No more blemishes. King Jesus, I want to pray for those moments of sin that I've, I've fallen short. I've done, I didn't do. No one else knows, but you know. I'm going to be quiet for a minute or two because I want you to have that moment of confession. I don't know what you've done. I don't even care. But King Jesus will know. And I want you to lift this up to him because I want him to wash it away. King Jesus, I thank you because you died on the cross for all of our sins. From the darkest thing you can imagine to the thing that I didn't even realize was a sin. I thank you that you died for every single one. From the sins that the whole world knows is wrong from the things that people will tell you isn't a sin at all and you should be doing it all the time. We know that you died on the cross for every type of sin and right now, as we confess it, would you wash it white as snow? For the sins that are habitual, I'm addicted to something, I can't stop doing something. Whether it's your swearing, you can't stop swearing. It's your temper, you can't stop losing your temper. I pray in Jesus' name that as I have this moment of confession, would you change me from the inside out? Would you change my heart? Would you change my posture in Jesus' name? Let me not just have a good week at New Day, but in Jesus' name, you would be with me throughout the whole year when I'm surrounded by thousands of Christians or when I'm in the secret place all on my own. I lift up, up to you. And the next one, acknowledgement, confession, we're now going to do thanksgiving. And this is the one I need to hear you because I know the Lord has done some good things. Can everyone say amen? Right now, I want you to start thanking God for things. I don't want you to think about the things in your life that aren't perfect, but I want you to think about the things that God has done. The mere fact that you're sat here with breath in your lungs is the first place to start. So why don't you just start speaking out things that you're thankful to God for? Let me hear you a little bit. I can't hear anyone. Let me hear you say some things that you're thankful for. Start naming your family members. Start naming your youth leaders. Start naming your best friends. 
those moments where you could have lost your life, but you're still here. Start thanking him. Thank you, Jesus, for my brother, TJ. Thank you, Jesus, for my church, Jubilee Church. Thank you, Jesus, for New Day. This thing has changed my whole life. Thank you, King Jesus. Thank you for all the friends that I've made while I've been here. Thank you, King Jesus, because you woke me up again, 28 years, and you woke me up with life in my lungs. Thank you, Jesus. We look at different parts of the world, but I get to live somewhere where I don't have to fear war. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, because you have your hand on me. This isn't a prayer to say everything's perfect, but it's a prayer to say, because I have Jesus, I'm going to be okay. I might have health problems right now, but thank you because you are a healer. It might not have happened to me yet, but you are a healer. So thank you, King Jesus. Thank you, King Jesus, that even though I'm feeling down, I'm feeling depressed, I know that you are the bringer of joy and that is my portion one day. Thank you, Jesus. While I'm quiet for a few seconds, start thanking him for some of those things that are coming into your mind that you're grateful to God for. Jesus, I thank you because you are the giver of life. You are our sustainer. Regardless of what people say about us, you are all we need. And I thank you. I thank you, Lord. I'm not perfect. I'm so far from it. But still, you are with me. Still, you love me. And I thank you. And the final one, supplication. I want us to ask for things now. The Bible says, ask and you shall receive. If you believe that line, then I need to hear you pray right now. If you don't believe it, there's no point. But if you believe that we can ask and we will receive. I want you to start asking him, Lord, even though I'm having the best Christian week of my life, in Jesus' name, would this spiritual nourishment that I've got continue throughout the year? Start asking God for that. That even though New Day is not real life, would you be with me every single day this year? That I won't be coming to New Day so spiritually low next year, but I'll be coming with a testimony to say I prayed on the Thursday of New Day 2023 and God kept me. Start praying that, God, I want more of you. Open the eyes of my heart so I can see you. Start praying that. Pray that hard because I don't want that to happen to you this year. It happens too often. In Jesus' name, Lord, don't let me backslide this time round. I've been to New Day, I've had a good one, but in Jesus' name, I'll stay on fire for you even when I go home, even when everything changes, even when I'm in a house that I'm not happy in, even when my circumstances are bad, I will still say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Even though my school situation is tough, I don't even know if I'm going to make it to sixth form when I get home. I don't even know if I'm going to pass them GCSEs or them A-levels. I've got no idea where I'm going for university. Whatever happens, though, I will stay close to the Lord in Jesus' name. I don't know if that person bullying me is going to return to school in September, but I know in Jesus' name, you're going to be with me. Ask God. Ask him. Ask him properly because I believe that. When you ask, you shall receive. I'm a living testimony of that, fam. Ask him. I'm going to be quiet so you can really ask those things of God. And remember, you don't serve a small God. You serve a big God. This is Jesus Christ, fam. So ask him whatever you want because I know in Jesus' name that he will give it to you. Go for it. Lord, I give you all the praise, I give you all the glory, I give you all the honor, because you are a great God. And I thank you because these prayers that have just been prayed have been received in the name of Jesus and they will be answered. That in Jesus' name, when we link up again, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's next year, whether it's in 10 years, there will be testimony upon testimony of people being set free in Jesus' name. That it won't only be TJ that can preach that preach to say, I've beaten this thing but in Jesus name every single one of us will have that story to say I was once lost but now I'm found I had some chains on my feet but now I'm set free in Jesus name I thank you Lord Jesus because we have learned that when we get close to you you draw close to us in Jesus name I thank you because you're a God who hears these things. I thank you that whatever is trapping us from being the person that you want us to be you're the God that breaks every chain because there is power in the name of Jesus. And I thank you in Jesus' name. I thank you for what we've learned. We have just learned how to pray. And I pray in Jesus' name, would we stay consistent? Would we stay on the right path? When times are hard, would we feel you? Would we hear you? Those moments when TJ woke up and he saw you at the end of his bed, would you 
meet with me in my room, King Jesus? Would you meet with every single person here in their room? Whatever that room looks like, whatever that house looks like, whatever that life or circumstance looks like, the one thing we have in common is you love us and you are there for us. And I thank you for what we've learned. We learned how to worship. I thank you that we've learned the importance of your church. And I thank you for teaching us how to pray. And I pray in Jesus' name that as we go on in our lives, we will learn to speak to you whatever's going on in our lives. And all God's children said, amen. Can we thank TJ one more time, please? Also, thank you all. We had a whole venue switch up, but you guys concentrated, took your notes and were so quiet. So thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. We're going to bring it to a wrap. Tomorrow is the last version of this series. I'm going to be speaking. And so I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. I don't know where it's going to be, but we'll see what happens. But once again, God bless you all and I'll see you soon.